Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special special series of naturopath collaboration sessions. Today, I have Elle McBride. She is one of Australia's first havening technique practitioners. She's also a coach. She holds monthly women's events, and she's also got a retreat coming up. And I'm so excited to share this particular technique with you because I feel like it's life-changing for so many people. Welcome, Elle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm You're so excited welcome. to be here. And, and for those tuning in, thank you. It's such an act of self-care when you take the time out to, to listen to something that your future self will thank you for. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, totally. I agree. I agree. So, Elle, tell us about your story. Tell us about the havening technique and how you came across it and how yeah. it's shaping your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I um, like to think that when I was growing up, we, uh, when I was about 16, my parents would take me to the doctors and I was put on antidepressants because I was told that they'll just make me happier. Um, you know, little did the doctor look at my history and go, oh, okay, like parents divorced, parents are both remarrying and there's a lot of change going on. Um, I was just put on, on medication. Um, and it never felt right. Throughout my whole life, medication, there was just something about it that just didn't feel good and feel comfortable for, for me. Um, and so the journey's been, you know, like I'm a big um, ambassador for like bone therapy and like a lot of like, like natural, if I could do it natural, that's the way forward for me. And I knew that very early on in my piece that I was living a life that now when I reflect black, I, I call it confidently anxious. And that's going to be the title of my book. And it's that state of living, thinking that like you're, you're confidently living, that you're actually riddled with anxiety and you don't know. And so it was really hard for me to make decisions. Um, when I was 18, I moved out of home and I moved to the Gold Coast. I had a really good time. I was partying all the time. I was out, you know, three, four nights a week. Um, I had this vision of like what success looked like. So I was working in like a, a corporate clothing store and I really wanted to be successful success to me like getting to the top of the ladder and so by the age of 23 I was um, a state uh, manager for for this clothing company and I absolutely loved it and I still love the company still love the brand and there was just this piece that I got to 23 and I thought I'm gonna be uh, you know in my 40s and 50s not married no children and that's not the life that I want so I packed up and the only way that I could leave this company that I absolutely loved working for was to say I was going overseas. And uh, so I did. I, I packed up my bags and me and my best mate, we, we went and we travelled and I've been to over 27 countries. And within those two years, it was the most found that I had felt. Like I, I was showing up confidently. I, you know, every time I was meeting somebody new, I was out, I had this superpower that I could like reinvent myself every time. So I was really learning who I was, but at the same time, I never felt more lost. And I was still that, that 16 year old that, you know, like mentally that hadn't gotten over their things. So even though I hadn't been on medication in the 
the antidepressants had only lasted like the one script that I, I was on, but I was still that little girl deep down inside that was suffering. And although I was showing up and, you know, I was having the best time of my life and, you know, my Instagram reel looked amazing. Um, and, you know, mind you, this is Instagram had only just come out. So <laughs> it's not what it was today. And I look back and I'm like, oh, man, I wish we were like taking actual photos of our holiday, not like the tiles on the, the, the floor in Italy. Like, <laughs> it's funny. Um, and yes, they're all still there if you scroll back long enough. Um, but this is about five, six years ago now in, in my journey. And so although I felt so lost, I'd never felt so, like, so found. It was this really odd place to be. So my brother fell pregnant and it was the first grandchild that they were having. So the call to come home was just so strong. Uh, we had also been pickpocketed in Rome and had to spend two months pretty much in Rome while we organised new car keys over Christmas. And so the the stillness that I was able to receive through travelling as well also led me to a lot of deep thinking. And when I got home, I went back to my uh, hometown, which is Bateman's Bay in New South Wales, so very small town. Everybody knows each other. Um, I worked in a restaurant on the same street that my mum owned a business, my two aunties owned a business and my dad worked on. So there was no escaping from family. There was no escaping from, you know, having to be <laughs> who I was and, and being known in this town, which is amazing and they serve their purpose. But for me, it put, I put a lot of pressure on myself again and everything that I thought that I'd overcome just came streaming back to me. And although I had found myself traveling, I realized that I was more lost than ever before. And I was trying a lot of different modalities and some of them were actually making um, my situation worse. And when I truly look back, if I was diagnosed, you know, in the books, the doctor said, you have this, it would be PTSD. And although, um, the events in my life that had happened weren't uh, big cases of trauma. You know, now I work with, with women who have experienced, you know, the depths of the depths of, you know, deep riddled trauma. But for mine, I was still living with it every day. And our mind doesn't know the difference between that was 10 years ago, that was 15 years ago to right now. If you can think about it and it, it is still bringing pain and heaviness and hurt, that's encoded trauma um, and encoded memory. So that we can permanently now remove. So I was then sent on this like spiral and <clears throat> I tried all these different modalities and it got to the stage that it was that bad that I had put my hopes and dreams on a, finding my answers of what I'm meant to do at a festival. So there's a festival in New South Wales called Burning Seed. And I was like, yep, I'm going to go there. And I'd been the year before and it was amazing. So I was like, I'm going to go back and all my answers are going to come. I'm going to know what I need to do, where I need to move to, where I'm going to live. If I'm going to leave the relationship I'm in, it's all going to come. But that was the 
the, the heaviness and also the only light that I had was a festival. So um, I pack my bag, I pack everything, I put it all in the car, I drive to Canberra and then I fly to the Gold Coast and I'm coming up here for one week holiday, like break because I'd lived in Queensland before. I thought I'll go back there before the festival, just see, feel into it if I want to go there and live there again. So I came up here. While I was up here, the festival gets cancelled. So all of my hopes and dreams are just completely shattered. I'm like, where the fuck am I going to get my answers from? Sorry for swearing. And uh, maybe beat that if we can. (laughs) But that's literally, like, I I cried for about two days. I thought, what am I going to do? Because, you know, power is like manifestation. I knew all of that. I was like, yeah, like, I'll just go there and then I'll, I'll meet someone and, you know, they'll, they'll have the answers, you know, magically it's, it's all going to happen. So I was then sitting in a cafe with a friend of mine and she introduced me to this woman named Karen Hedges. And Karen was like, I do this thing. It's called Havening. And I was like, I don't care what you do. What do you want? Like what medication? Like, as long as it's not crack, like I want it. Like, what is this? Who are you? And there was such a remembrance within her that it was me, you know, like that, that little girl within me that was excited about life, that was passionate, you know, that, that piece of me that when I worked in corporate just knew what she wanted, knew how she got it, you know, was, was sassy and, and beautiful and courageous and brave. I just saw it all within this woman. And she was doing her case studies at the time. She, she had gone to the UK to study in this therapy. And I was like, yes, like, I, I want this. I want this. So we, um, I'm not sure what happened there. It's but, okay. It's all good. Keep going. Yeah. We, um, we sat down and the next day we, we had the session. And I remember just being like, what was that? Like these things, these stories, these memories, they're now gone. And I'd wake up every, every day being like, where, where is it? Like it, it's gone. And then, you know, within about a week and a half, I just didn't think about this thing anymore. These memories and these events that had happened to me that were shaping me, but they were hurting me. I was hurting so much that you know, it still, you know, the, the pieces of the puzzle from when I was younger, they were still there and they never left physically and mentally. So the, I was still bearing the burdens that I was carrying and then they completely all disappeared. And so for myself, I was like, okay, like that's now a piece of the puzzle. I went home, I went back to, to New South By that stage, I was back in New South Wales and I had a friend and I was like, hey, because I'd been doing it all myself. And I was like, do you have something that just like brings you a bit of distress when you think about it, like a memory in the past? She's like, yes. Can I just do this thing on you? And it, and it worked. I was like, what is this magic? Anyway, without thinking about it, I just knew I had had this spark back and I was like, something needs to change. So I packed up my whole life um, and put everything in a, in a storage space and moved back to the Gold Coast within two and a half weeks of my session, just everything. I finally left the relationship, 
finally quit the job, did the things with ease and grace. There was no heaviness about it. Jumped in my car, drove 16 hours and moved back to the Gold Coast, stayed on a friend's couch. Um, then, you know, a unit popped up, a fantastic unit that I'm still actually living in. And, you know, it's the longest I've ever been settled in 12 years is um, in, in the same, same property. And this beautiful way of life happens and you know I've been up here for about three weeks and the everything fell into place and the Haveners were then coming over from the UK to to do a training. So it originates from from the US but they were coming from the UK. And so I was then trained qualified in the first training here in Australia. So now I'm one of the first um, after my my study that took me a, over a year to get qualified. I, and it was very much a personal journey. You know, we can't heal others until we've healed ourselves. I, I truly believe in that. Um, yes, we get to along the way, we get to help others, but the, the true peace and the true conviction that now I have that I, I truly can help other people. It's um, because I have helped myself and it's just so life changing. You know, and like I said, we can be thinking about something in the past. And if we're still thinking about it day in, day out, or once a day, or twice a day, or once a week, you know, that's encoded memory that you get to change. Yeah, that's rapidly. So yeah, it doesn't have to be heavy. So, havening is really quite light. It's using a touch um, that is just the, the shoulders to the elbows, just long down with the strokes. Uh, the face over over the cheeks and the hands, and when you think about nurturing a baby, you, you hold a baby and you stroke its arm, and we've all been that beautiful, precious baby, that baby that opens its eyes and is like, "Look at me, look how lovable I am," um, just like puppies and kittens. But if we kick them enough, they sure know that they're, they're not so lovable. And so we're all hardwired to this touch that I am safe. I am safe. Everything's okay. I am loved. I am loved. And so when we activate the memory and we make that memory, which it's not hard to do, if you're living with it, it's there anyway. So mm -hmm. he's like, what do you mean you're going to make me think about it for 15 seconds? I'm like, you already are. <laughs> yeah. So we, we activate the memory. We use the touch, which is just so soothing and so nurturing and a bit of distraction and the memories. Um, completely depotentiate. But wow. not only does the memory, it's the, the, the part of the brain that is storing them, the hippocampus, but the amygdala is shooting off fight or flight responses. So it's actually those responses are what we're depotentiating. The memory is just a thing that created the reaction. And when we think about it, it's the reaction, not the memory. So, yeah, yeah awesome. So, yeah. Essentially, we're not wiping people's memories of certain things. We're wiping that emotional link, that emotional yes. reaction. Yeah, amazing. Yes, absolutely. Because people go, oh, no, like, you know, I, I want this memory. You'll still have the memory. Yeah. But a lot of people, a lot of my clients will say, it's like I read it in a book or I, I watched it on a movie, but it, it's no longer me. Amazing. And so for, for, for them, it just becomes this really beautiful, you know, piece of the puzzle that no longer controls them. Amazing. 
Yeah. Because yeah. it's, you know, when we, when we look back, we're like, oh, I don't remember that, that time where I was specifically, you know, swimming in the pool and it was great. We're like, I remember the time that I was swimming in the pool and, you know, some, someone jumped in the pool on top of me. Because the, the the memory, I don't know how that one just came up, but it's just sort of about that. But the the memory is encoded because there's warning that something went wrong. That's not safe. So yes. anytime you then see a pool, you're like, oh, I'm going to go in the swim in the middle lane. I can't swim on the outside because this thing happened. Right? Mm-hmm. We then take away that memory of that thing happening, and then you're able to swim in any pool. Yeah, no problem. Maybe. Yeah, and so and that's the the bare minimum. Hmm. That's awesome. So, could this also work for things like phobias? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I had a girlfriend. Um, she runs cacao ceremonies here on the Gold Coast. She's incredible, Claire Gardner. I recommend her if you're wanting to experience the power of cacao. And we we just called up. She was like, "Yeah, I want to run a little ceremony." Like, okay, like go along and, and she's asking questions about havening. And I said, you know, it, it's like if you had a fear of dogs and you know you've been bit by a dog. Anyway, the poor thing had. And oh. so I'm like, oh anyway, so you know, and I'm like, okay, like what happened? She's like, Well, I, I was running a I always had like a weird, uncomfortable thing about dogs. And where I grew up, there was this this place, and I used to walk the long way round. Um, so I wouldn't go near where the dogs would be. And she said, but this day there was no dogs. So I thought, yeah, I'm powerful. I can walk across it. And so she starts walking and this German shepherd comes and bottles her over and she gets up, she runs off. The dog runs after her, bites her. And we're like, oh my gosh. So the the following week we were having a housewarming party for a fellow friend. And she was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come if there's a dog. And I'm like, I've just triggered her. We've got the house party in like a week. Like she needs to be there. You know, this is community. This is tribe. And so I'm like, Hey, go back to that memory. Think about that memory. Here we go. We start havening. And I've got count backwards from 20, do this, um, you know, some lateral eye movement and, before you know it, she's like, yeah, about four minutes later, she, we're like, yeah, go back to the memory. She's like, no, it's all good. I, I just pat the dog. Like, okay, okay. Anyway, Saturday night, we just had the, um, the house warming and it's about two hours in. And a couple of us that were at the ceremony of Claire's were like, Claire, you're sitting with the dog. She's like, yeah. Like, you sit it and she's like, oh, I'm sitting with the dog. So for 20 years of her life, she's not been able to even walk past dogs. Like, and her friends have witnessed this, that they've been out, you know. And if you have a phobia of a dog like this, affects a lot of areas in your life. Sitting at cafes is hard. Walking to the beach is hard. Um, it can really, you know, prevent you doing a lot of things. And so for her, she, yeah, was then sitting there with the dog um, and it wasn't a problem at all. But phobias can also be interesting, but allergies as well. So yourself, you would probably see a lot of people with allergies. And mm. I had a client once who came to me, you know, she wanted to, to heal um, some deep, 
deep traumas and she showed up and she's got a sniffly nose. And so we, we, we heal the traumas, they're all good. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, why are you sick? She goes, well, I'm allergic to my cat. I'm like, okay, why do you have a cat if you're allergic? Thinking, this woman's nuts. And um, she goes, well, well, I love cats. I've always loved cats. And, um, but, but we had a cat when we were younger and um, it, it was killed. So my parents said, well, we're never getting another cat. And so I moved out of home and I got myself a cat, but I'm allergic to it. I'm like, ah, okay, tell me about the cat that passed away. She goes, well, I was about seven years old and I, it, I watched it be killed by a car. Wow. Okay, encoded trauma. The mind goes, how do I not experience this again? Right? How do I not experience the cat, the thing that I love the most, my safety at home, I get to sit there and play with the cat, is I don't get another cat. Well, how do you not get cats if you love cats? Boom, allergy. Just like Claire with the dog. How do I not be bitten by a dog? You don't go near a dog. Boom, phobia. Yeah. You know, somebody, and, and it can be anything. Public people who are, you know, have fears of being up on stage and speaking. You know, I guarantee that in grade three, they were up on stage, up on the front of the classroom and something's happened the pants have fallen down or the children have laughed or they've stumbled on their words. And in that mind, that, that subconscious mind right then and there made a decision. I never want to do that again. Totally. And because the mind wants to give us what it thinks we want, we're just programming it. You don't want that. <gasps> Let's not give that to you. Yeah. So that's the overprotecting. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So that's it's very interesting. Yeah. Super yeah, interesting. I, can, I literally can chat on this forever, and I do. <laughs> yeah, it's so it, it's so interesting how you even went into a little bit of neuroscience there. How you're talking about the amygdala and the hippocampus, mm-hmm. and so for those who are listening that aren't so familiar with that, the amygdala is more about like where our stress response comes from. It's like sends our sends that message of like you need to be in fear. It's like our fear center. Mm-hmm. And studies have shown yeah. that people who are in that stress response for a longer period of time tend to have a, a hypertrophy or a growth of the amygdala and a shrinking of mm-hmm. the hippocampus, which is where our memory mm-hmm. is. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like people will walk to another room and they this is a really common thing. They're like, what am I here for? I don't know. I came to this mm-hmm. room for a reason. I don't know. And they walk back yeah. out and they remember again. They walk mm-hmm. back and that's often because this, this hippocampus part is starting to shrink because their fear center is so, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm over ex- exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, the amygdala is, is about the size of an almond. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and the hippocampus I like to refer to as our internal Google. It's, <laughs> it's constantly awesome. searching. When we, when we go somewhere, we're searching you know, for the familiarity. I'm yeah. just terrible at that word. Oh, um, I am too. But, don't worry. I'm oh, like, <laughs> I know it's such a funny one. And so it's constantly searching for, have I been in this situation before? Do I know these people? How safe is it? it, it the, the mind only cares about what's safe. Is yeah. this safe? Is this not? Okay. I'm going to go towards the pleasure and away from the pain. And sometimes the, the painful thing brings us pleasure right? Yes. Why a heroin addict can love needles. 
because there's pleasure in the pain of the needle, right? And, you know, and we've just got to psych ourselves up. Like the, the one thing that I can give, like if, if you do have something that you've got to do that you don't want to do, just tell yourself you want to do it. You know, the worst thing that people can do for stress is like, oh my gosh, like it's, especially those working corporate, like my job is so stressful. I'm dying under the pressure. Um, this is, this is so hard. This is hell. Your mind is listening. Yeah. It's constantly listening. And it's like, that's hell. You don't want to go there. Oh my gosh. Like you're dying under the pressure. Well, here's a flu. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Here's a cold. Yeah. Like I can tell myself when I am like run down and I'm like, uh, uh, okay. Yep. How full is my cup right now? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Al. Like what can you go and do today that my future self will thank me for? Awesome. I love and in that. every decision. Yeah. At the moment I'm like, okay, is this self care or is this self indulgence? Yeah. Will my future self thank me for this? No. Okay. It's a no. That's yeah. indulgence. Yeah. But if it's, a, if it's a yes, I'm like, absolutely. So, you know, I've got a lot of people that, that constantly, you know, like want my, my brilliant brain because my brain is brilliant and I, and I know a lot when it comes to, you know, leading and, and living a, a healthy life from the inside out. And sometimes I've still got to say no to really important things that probably, you know, my future self would thank me for somewhere down the road, but myself tomorrow isn't going to if I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Self-care yeah. is such a massive, massive part, um, particularly of like this upcoming generation. I don't think like my mom or my grandmother's generation, they would see it more as indulgence. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. they're coming through and saying, no, this is actually really necessary to maintain some balance. So yeah. Totally. Absolutely. And the, the, the intergenerational thing as well is, you know, we can also carry through their, their traumas and we're doing the healing work for them now as consciousness rises. And then the, the piece that gets to be so beautiful is our mind has not changed since the first humans. And so our, our brain still does it still is storing so much more. And we are these days given so much information all day, every day. So like our, our mothers, our grandmothers, our great grandmothers used to have to go and read the newspaper to get the news where we're bombarded. Um, like I personally couldn't tell you what's happening in the world right now. Neither. I actually have no idea. Yeah. None, not nothing. (laughs) And don't know who the prime minister is. And I, (laughs) I don't think most of Australia ever knows really, but but because I, I, I'm like, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't lift me up. Yeah. And I can't control it. Yeah. I can control what's around me and that's my own ripple and I create my own ripple. That's why like my monthly, like, like we call them soul sister sessions and anyone here on the Gold Coast is welcome. Um, I've even had like people who have been international come along and, and they're just such a beautiful warning of consciously connecting with other beautiful, like-minded people because we need it. Yeah, totally. It's, we've, we've lost it and we still are those tribe women. We are still the, you know, Italian women, you know, in their, in their kitchens and we are still, you know, the, we are still 
needing and craving connection above anything else. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, and it's that human nature. And then once we get that fulfilled, what we can go forth and do beyond that is so much more than if we just stayed in in, a, in amongst our own little isolated world and kept, you know, squirrelling yeah. away on the things we're doing. So it's so important yeah. to connect. Absolutely. And when we choose to hit, heal ourselves, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work on myself and it doesn't only just heal me, like my family gets it. Yeah, totally. And they go, oh, well, like, you know, I, it's so much nicer being around L now and, you know, it, it's so much lighter and you know i'm i'm easy to be around yeah where it's not always necessarily been that case and yeah. so when we work on heal thyself heal thy neighbor it is truly true yeah so awesome and l yeah. i know you've got a beautiful event coming up um towards the end of the month can you tell our listeners about mm-hmm. that yeah so it's um on the 18th of June in the morning here in Burley Heads, the location is so beautiful, but it's a bit hard. So the, the link for the address will be on the event page on Facebook. Um, you can find me at Elle Louise McBride uh, slash The Haven Kind um, or on my website, which is The Haven Kind. Um, no doubt you'll pop the links in the bio, but oh, yeah. the event um, usually... And previously to, to now, I would run um, quite a bit of havening at them as well because I just get so many people that are interested in, in wanting to know more. Um, but as they sort of get bigger, it gets a bit harder to, to manage. So I'm looking at doing something else. So I am excited to announce that Claire, who I was speaking about earlier, will be running a cacao ceremony at this one. Awesome. So it's going to be so beautiful. Um, and... Yeah, it's, I just can't wait. Just conscious connection, having a nice chat, you know, bubs are welcome. Um, and, yeah, it's just lovely. Yeah, that's so yeah. awesome, Elle. I really love your yeah. way of approaching trauma and approaching the mind and approaching yeah. life. So thank you so, so much for sharing your story today and sharing oh, all amazing. about havening because how cool is it? So good. Yeah. So thank you so much. It truly is. It's changed my life. And now like I've, I've had the privilege to help thousands of people change theirs as well. And oh, just it, it's so, so light. And I reckon everybody needs havening. Yeah. Everybody needs it. And that's even my clients, you know, they walk out of a session and, you know, a couple of days might go past and they're like, everybody needs this. But the amount of referrals that I get because people are like, oh, hang on. Or like when we sit with our girlfriends and they keep telling the same story, have told the same story for 20 years and you're like, yeah, they're over it. Yeah. They need havening. <laughs> awesome. So good. So yeah. beneficial. All right, Al. Um, for all the listeners, I know you have a special offer of fifty dollars mm-hmm. off the first session. I will pop all yep. the details yep. below in the show notes so that if anyone wants mm-hmm. to access L, which I highly recommend you do because we all have the things that go over and over and over in our heads. So let's just clear them and feel lighter for it. Um, so yep. I will pop all those details in the show notes. And thank you again, L, for joining me. And I'll catch you all on the next episode. Sounds amazing.